Okay, how are we all doing? Yeah. That wasn't very good, was it? It's like, there's only Roger and Les that are alive. How are you doing? Yeah. Good. Good. It's because it's going to be good. The rest of the morning is going to be as good as the first part. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, really carry on this morning on this theme that I've been talking about and, and started last week about the, the way the kingdom works, the dynamic kingdom. And what I said last week, uh, just quickly, is that we need to understand the ways that the kingdom works if we're to get the same results as Jesus wanted us to get. And what I was saying last week is often we do things and organize ourselves as, as church and, and as a body where actually we don't actually do the kingdom things. We do church. And what we do in 110 hours a week when we're not in church and not asleep is just, just as, if not more important, than what we do in the few hours a week when we're on church activities. Our ministry is primarily out there. And, and we use this word ministry and we think, you know, when the Bible talks about how God gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists and pastors to equip the saints for the works of ministry, we often translate that, unfortunately, in our head to I'm going to be on the worship team or I'm going to pray and in my case, I'm going to pray to be on the worship team and it's not working. <laughs> or, I, you know, one day I get to the heady height of actually standing up the front and saying something. And, and we think ministry and somehow we narrow it down to what happens here. But the ministry Jesus is talking about encompasses what is happening here. But it's primarily what happens in the rest of our life. We've been given something called, uh, Paul calls it, the ministry of reconciliation. And I used to think that was just like, well, my job is to kind of find a few people who are falling out with each other and help them sort it out. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about reconciling things to Jesus. And that's not just bringing people coming to Jesus in the first place. It's reconciling all things on earth to as they are in heaven. In every area of our lives, the reconciliation is bringing all things back to the standard of the finished work of Christ. And that, that's where I'm going to talk about this morning. Okay, is that okay? See where I'm going? Still up to speed from last week? Good. Leslie's still awake. We're doing well. I'm not sure about the rest of you, but Leslie's there for me. He's rooting. Not for much longer. There we go. Okay, so I guess maybe, maybe it was about this time last year, I, I shared with you some of the journey we've been on as, as uh, elders and, and, as, and as leaders and as a church about where God wanted to take us. Because if you remember, he challenged us about whether our vision was big enough. And it kind of came home to me that, because you know when Facebook pops something up, so Last week, it popped up this thing, and it said that, that I'd, I put a message up there, and I'd met for the first time with a group of people in Royston that consisted of two people. And here's the remarkable thing, that this, if, I, if you go back a year, and you picture me speaking a year ago, the five church plants that now exist did not exist. They weren't even there. Now, what I've got to tell you today is that there are 250 people across those church plants. 
And that, that's remarkable. And I'm thinking, like, I'm really glad God did that because I would have just messed it up because he, he's just done it organically himself. And as part of that, that process that we went through, part of that thought process, one of the, the words that, that God gave us, because we weren't looking to plant, well, the initial idea was plant a church, okay, when he challenged us, like, is your vision big enough? And so when you, plan, when you think about planting a church, here's how we were originally thinking. We were thinking, well, where we got a block of people that we can send out and give them some money and tell them to plant a church. And there's, there's a few obvious things. Because we're quite a spread out church, we've got blocks of people in all sorts of places. And that's how we were thinking. And I, and I was thinking down these lines and we were talking about it down these lines. And every time that, that I thought, you know, let's explore that, I got a no. And I didn't understand quite where, because if God challenges you on how big your vision is, why do you get a no when you try and do something? And so I went back to God, and this is, this is what I heard. This is, what, this is a word he gave me. I don't want you to plant a church. I want to start a movement. I don't want you to plant a church. I want to start a movement. And, and so here's how that works. That works by understanding kingdom principles, training people in those kingdom principles. That's what I was doing in Royston exactly a year ago, training two people in kingdom principles, and then letting the Holy Spirit work. That's why I say I, I don't want to mess it up. I, I'm, I'm now looking at, at, at what God's done, and I'm thinking like, I, I just don't want to, I don't, I don't want to touch it because I might mess it up. And that's kind of a really different way of thinking. Because I think one of the problems that we have in enabling us all to grow to maturity is we do not have the confidence in the Holy Spirit to grow people independent of ourselves. And the, 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 the Holy Spirit's job is to change hearts and grow people to maturity. And as those people follow kingdom principles, he works in power to bring about what he wants to bring about. And he works, works uh, unseen to make the connections that he wants to make. And so I want to really bring that to, to the forefront this morning in, in the way we think. Because what I believe we've done in church life in the last, I guess, about 15 to 20 years. And no church is immune from this. So I'm not getting at any. I think we've done it across the board. Is that we have made it so difficult to do church. We've made it so complicated. And, and you know, we, the, you hear of, of meetings and churches that spend tens and tens of thousands just to get it to look right. And what we've done is we've raised the bar on what it means to do church. And that has given us an impression that that, that God can't work apart from that. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand. I'm not saying do things rubbish. What I'm saying is the primary thing we need to do is hear the Holy Spirit and do exactly what he tells us to do and see what 
the Father is doing and, and do what we see. That's the primary thing. And so that in itself is not too much of a problem if what we are doing is at the same time investing in discipleship. But what we've done is we've raised the bar on what it means to, to put, actually put on a church meeting. And that is very resource intensive. And at the same time, we've really lowered our expectation of what we expect of an individual believer. So we've done two things. We haven't just done one. We, 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 we put it down here. Like if you're, if you're sat in a seat on a Sunday morning and you give to the offering, that's okay. That's great. We love you. Well, we love everybody because Jesus loves everybody. That's not the point. The point is that, that Jesus called us all on mission and he called us all to lay our lives down for the sake of the gospel. And we don't, we don't say that anymore in case people don't want to come next week. So if you're all not here, not here next week, I know what happens. Yeah? But I'll just tell you because that's, that's the word. That's the word. Now, here's, here's another thing. that I, I, The minute I put it up, you might get offended. But in business and in life, you have this thing called a vision statement. Yeah, everybody heard a vision statement? Anybody know their vision statement from work? No? Connie knows their vision. Your chief, yeah. <laughs> vision statements are meant to inspire you and point you all to, towards the same thing. Yeah? And we... Different places have different vision statements. So when I was at, uh, a partner in Deloitte, our vision statement was to be the firm of choice for complex advisory work. That, that was the vision statement. I can see you're all really inspired by that, are you? Yeah, there you go. Our vision statement, just in case you don't know it, is... Because most people, when I say, what's the vision statement of faith life? Say something. What do they say? Rooted, rooted and grounded in love. So I'm thinking of changing the vision statement to rooted and grounded in love because that's not what it is. But that's what everybody remembers. Our vision statement is to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. That's our vision statement from wherever they are on the spectrum. One of the values that we carry in that is being rooted and grounded in love. So... Anyway, God's got a vision statement. He, he actually invented the idea. Any idea what God's vision statement is? I'm going to tell you so you don't have to worry because you've all sat there going, not a clue, not a clue. He is God's vision statement. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's vision statement. And how is he intending to do it? He's intending the people, his sons and daughters, to look at that and go, that's what I have to do. Yeah. That's my role. That's my purpose. That's my joy. That's my excitement in life to reconcile heaven to earth, for God's will to come on this earth. Yeah. And, and notice it doesn't say in your church meeting. It says on earth. We, we need to, to, to get that clear that God's vision is for his will to be done across the earth and for his kingdom to come. And that means his kingdom come in Tesco. Yeah. 
His kingdom come in the university. His kingdom come in Hillsborough Sixth Form College. In his kingdom come in Picotech. His kingdom come wherever. That was one for Stuart, you see. He keeps sending me pictures, very excited pictures of him and his boys. And it's, he's, he's very proud of you boys, aren't you? Yeah, amazing. But I'm, I'm loving the pictures, Stuart. I'm loving the pictures. Now, here's, here's my question for you. If, if God puts out a vision statement like that, here's the question. Does Jesus, because Jesus is saying this is, this is how he's supposed to, does Jesus ask us to pray for something that he does not intend to fulfill? So when Jesus asked people to pray for this, he clearly wasn't talking about when we all get to heaven. He's talking about what happens here on earth. And he's not talking about when he wraps everything up and every knee does bow to him. He's talking about now. And here's the thing, that he intends to fulfill that. And the way he intends to fulfill that is through you and me and our faith. And, and, the way, and, and in his intention to fulfill it, he's actively working on our heart to move us towards it. And, and our, our part of that is to keep our hearts soft towards that moving and his working on our hearts so we can see our place to play, you know, what, what we, our, our involvement in it, in our day-to-day -day life. Here's the thing I think about this vision statement. It is absolutely huge. Yeah? Uh, you know, sometimes vision statements are quite small and, 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 a, and a little bit big. God, make us bigger. You know, like, God, I'm believing for another 30 people by next Friday or something like that. So let, let's do that. Let's believe for another 30 people for next Sunday, eh? Let's, let, let's do that. But that's tiny. That, that would be amazing. That would be fantastic. Go do it. But what, I'm be, what, what Jesus is believing for is the earth he's believing for this city i believe he's believing that cambridge will one day be called the city of our god instead of the city of atheism yeah. instead of evolution there is god who is worshipped in yeah. this city and i'm believing for that and that's god's vision and he's not satisfied with a kind of like a handful of believers small groups or churches. His vision is multitudes worshipping him. Multitudes. He's from all people groups, all nationalities, all nations worshipping him without barriers, without constraint, without separation, without division. That's, that's kind of how he thinks. And that translates to me really simply. He likes having a big family. He likes having a big family and he's not content with the size of family he's got. He wants more kids, more sons, more daughters to love and care for and bless and work good into their lives. Amen? Okay, so what's the problem? Why do we not see this and why are we not as effective as we might otherwise be. Because I think we'd all agree we haven't got to the vision yet. Would you, would you agree? So why, why is that? Here's the, 
Here's the thought. The problem is that the king's ways and the king of the kingdom's ways are not intuitive. They are counterintuitive. Like I was talking about, uh, you know, like finances. They don't work the way around you would expect. You know, and here's, here's the thing. When you're dealing with a counterintuitive kingdom, you eventually reach the conclusion that we have done intuitive. That, that we've done what looks right. We've do, we built structures. We've built buildings. We've built organizations. But the kingdom isn't an organization. The kingdom is organic. And I'm thinking somebody misspelt along the way and ended up with organization instead of organic. And the kingdom is organic. And all Jesus' parables, when he talks about the kingdom, it's all about like living examples, organic examples. And, and we, we, we've been put off or we've got discouraged or we've got disillusioned with church and, and life and all that sort of stuff. And we kind of settle to this like little passive Christianity in our nation because we've tried doing intuitive and it and it only goes so far i'm not saying you can't achieve things by natural ability good organization and good management principles of course you can but you can achieve things in every aspect of life like that and they're not bad things they're good things but jesus wants to change our nation not just one or two people and to do that, we need to move intuitive and organization to counterintuitive and organic. Okay, so let's, let's get to that. Because in doing that, we have to do something. We have to be purposeful, consistent, and pursue spiritual principles if we're to see spiritual results. So if we're to see the results that Jesus talks about, if that prayer that he told us to pray about your kingdom come, your will be done on heaven as it is in, on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to be purposeful and consistent about it. I say that because I think there's, there's, a, there's a spirit of our age within the church which is inconsistency, irregularity. And, and so I think we need to fight that spirit and deal with it in our own hearts, but amongst our bodies. So here's, here's where, where I get to, and I, I'm, it'll go up on the screen. If we do not understand the ways of the king's reign, we will not welcome it when it starts, we won't fan its flames, and we may even oppose it or give up before we see it. Now, I wrote that like a long time ago, but it's really interesting that this word came this morning about, you know, even when we don't see him working, he's working. And, and often we've given up in the stage of not seeing him working when he's been working. And we have to understand that the only way the kingdom works is through these kingdom principles. And if we don't recognize kingdom principles, instead of participating in them and seeing the results, we'll act how we think and not get the results. And then we'll go, it doesn't work. And, and that's a real challenge to us all. Anybody feeling challenged? Yeah, it's a real challenge because it's going to require us to do some things that are going to be a little bit scary, a little bit wobbly, and a little bit out there. And it's going to help us to sometimes understand some things because when Jesus talks about the kingdom, what he's teaching is really clear. 
And so for the second half of, of this preach, I'm going to look at a parable, a kingdom parable of Jesus's. It's, I guess, it's one of the big two parables that everybody knows Jesus told. Even if they've like never been to church, most people know this, this parable. And it's called the parable of the sower. Yeah? So we're going to have a look at the parable of the sower. Don't ju- when, when we're doing this, don't sit there, don't go to sleep and think, I know everything about this parable. I've heard like hundreds of preachers on this. That will really not help you because I'm going to say something slightly different. Okay, let's, let's read it. I'm, I'm reading it from Matthew's. Uh, it's one of those parables that's in lots of uh, the, the different um, uh, Gospels. So it's Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to start at verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the, sun, when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Now he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's, let's just take you back a moment. You're sat in a field with Jesus on top of a hill and you're listening to him say that. Here's the point. That's all you get. We know because Jesus explains it and we've all had some ideas of what this parable's about. But for everybody who heard it, that's all they got. And I'm going like, why, why, why is it, why is that? Because revelation isn't just about what we hear; it's about the work of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with what we hear. So, to really understand God's words, we have to have open hearts. And here's what an open heart means: it means you will understand what God says if you've already reconciled in your heart. To do what he says. If you're like taking his approach, well, if I like it, if it fits in, if it kind of is convenient, if I'm not too busy, you're not going to hear God. You're not going to understand the ways of the kingdom. When when we, we give our lives to Christ, we give our lives to Christ. And that means that we somewhere along the line we, we made this decision that when we hear something, we'll follow it. And, and Jesus is saying, when you've when you got that heart position, you'll understand the parables. And so he was doing that um, in those days so that some people understood and some people didn't. Now, here's, it, let's go into Jesus' inner circle. So we've got the, the disciples and, and the hangers-on round the disciples. And there they're afterwards, Jesus told this story. I actually think that he told this story several times. I don't think he just did these things once. I, te- I think he repeated them in different places. And, and he, tells this sto- he tells this story, and then the disciples have got him all to themselves, and they go, Jesus, we have absolutely no clue what you're talking about with this seed and paths and things, because you'd be an idiot as a farmer to sow seed where you, didn't, where you knew it wasn't going to come up. 
farmers have good ground. That's what they pay all the money for, and they sow it in. So, Jesus, we're just not getting it. So, if you don't mind, Jesus, we think your parable's wrong. And they kind of do that. And Jesus says this to him. It's not in Matthew's account. He's in Mark's account. And there's a, there's a little phrase that it says, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand any of them, guys, because this is the foundational parable. This is the foundation of how everything else works. So if you don't get this one, you're not going to be able to understand any of the others. And they're going, that's why we don't understand any of the others, Jesus. <laughs> yes. And Jesus said, this is the way the kingdom works. And he, and he goes on and he explains it to them. Now, I just want to uh, leap forward a few verses to where he explains it. Um. Therefore, verse 18, therefore, hear the parable of the soul. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, say word of the kingdom. kingdom. What's he talking about? The kingdom. When anyone hears the word of the king does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what's sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So he was fruitful, but becomes unfruitful. <coughs> but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Okay, so that's Jesus letting his disciples have a bit of insight. These are like the keys of how the kingdom works. And so when when we're ministering or when we're dealing with life and and we're trying to uh, represent Christ outside the walls of this building, when we're trying to... uh, reach out to people, when we're trying to love people, when we're trying to serve people, when we're trying to uh, speak the gospel to people. These are the principles that are in place. Now, I believe it is ignorance and forgetfulness of these principles that have disillusioned so many of us. Because we've tried things and they haven't worked. And as a result, we think we're no good at this. Yet at the same time, according to this parable, and I'll show you, Jesus is in heaven telling you you're a success and to get back in the game. Okay? Let me, let me explain that to you. So this is like Kingdom 101. Sorry, howling wind. Let's hope it's the Holy Spirit and not typhoon, whatever it is. <laughs> so let me, let me just put some foundational things to, down to you. The kingdom, Jesus is saying, is organic in nature. And this parable is foundational to understanding the way the kingdom works. Now, here's the first principle, because I, I've heard this taught a lot of times, but it's always just really narrowed down to the way you or people receive teaching from the front or receive the Bible study. And that's true. Or sometimes it's taught as like a a, a salvation parable. And that's okay, that's true. 
But Jesus said, this is a kingdom parable. Everything in the kingdom works like this. It's about the word of the kingdom, and everything in the kingdom works like this. So the kingdom works not from resource or finances or weight of numbers. The kingdom works by planting a seed. So we, we have to think of ourselves as seed planters um, as, we, as we go go out of this place and, and in this place. I'm planting seeds right now, but this isn't the limit of what seeds are. We are, we are seed planters. And so the kingdom starts with the planting of seed. And if you get the start wrong, everything that follows is wrong. I'll say that again, because you're going like, what's he say? If you get the start of things wrong, everything that follows is wrong. So if we start out with the wrong method, everything that follows won't work. And Jesus says, here's the method, you plant seed. And then he gives this interpretation of each part of it. So let, let's go. So let's go to um, this, this idea of seed. If we skip planting seeds, no matter how well you water, fertilize, weed, cut your grass, dig your borders, and all the rest of it, nothing will come up. Okay? I believe that we have, in a way, because we, we, we can water, because we can dig, because we can weed, can, because we can dig borders and we can put tr pretty trees up and plant nice plants, we've, we've, we've done that. And we've forgotten to put any seed down. So what happens is we do the best and most amazing and most fantastic and most expensive garden that we could possibly build and we put it on and, and we say, Go bring people to our thing and they'll find Jesus. Or go, everybody should come because something's going to happen and you should have a ticket. And, and, we, and we do this and we can do some fantastic stuff. Here's the thing. However good we are and however big our ticket price, we are not as good as Coldplay. If we want to compete in that arena, we're not. Honestly, however rich the church becomes, we don't have the money of a concert promoter. So if that's all it's about, we're not going to get very far. So we can plant gardens and build and, and get lovely trees, but if there's no seed, there ain't anything coming up. So when we put that on, all that happens is all the seeds, the only the seeds that have already matured actually turn up and there's nothing new coming. Just me, off on one. So let's have a look at this first soil. Because for the kingdom to work, you need good seed in good soil. Would you agree? Yeah? In reading that parable, for kingdom work, you need good seed in good soil. So the first seed. So what do we know about the first seed? First seed is the seed does not penetrate the hard exterior. And, and, it, and it's wasted. It doesn't do anything. What's more, the only thing it does is feed a few birds. And Jesus says, well, that's really just the, because there's, there's just this hard exterior. The enemy comes along and steals it straight away. It has no impact. 
because he doesn't like teetowing. He doesn't like to think that something might happen. So even if it's wasted, he's going to nick it anyway because that helps bring destruction and it helps steal, kill and destroy, which is what he's about. So the enemy comes along. And, and he, here's the thing, that, that, that people that, that are exposed to this seed don't hear a word you've said. You, you know, I, I think for, I, don't, I can't remember, I, I could do the math, but I'm not going to because it, it will tell you how old I am. But I've, I've witnessed to my mum constantly ever since I was born again as a 14-year-old. And yet it has had absolutely no effect whatsoever. Now, I could think that's my fault. Or I could look at it and say, kingdom-wise, Jesus is saying that is, has fallen on ground where there's no result because the heart's not right. It's not soft enough to take it. And, you know, for, for people who, like me, who've evangelized in their 20s and 30s, there was a big thing that hardened people's hearts. So in the 70s and 80s, if you were witnessing, everybody had hard hearts because they remembered the Second World War and said, where was God? And so there was a, there was a big change in things. And, and we've carried on to this post-Christian world that we live in now, post-modernism, post they call it, but it's actually post-Christian. And so we, we encounter a lot of people who've got hearts like that for all sorts of reasons. Now, here's the thing hearts can change in their condition so this isn't a permanent state but it is a state that we will encounter at a moment in time because the holy spirit's always working to soften people's hearts he's always working to bring conviction he, 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 that's what he does now it's really interesting that that's his job and not ours so second kingdom principle let the holy spirit do his job which is to bring conviction and let us do our job which is to sow seed the two are not the same. And we've made that mistake. We've assumed that by beating people up and threatening them, that they'll get in the kingdom. You know, turn or burn. You're a miserable sinner. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And he's good at it. Right now, he's doing it. Our job is to sow seed. When we get the two mixed up, we work against the kingdom instead of for the kingdom. Still with me? This is like training. Because when Jesus talked about discipleship, he meant training to do the works of the kingdom. Training to know how the kingdom works, to then live that, but also training to reproduce that in other people. Taking the DNA that he puts in you and giving that DNA to other people. And I'm going to come on to that later in this series. But my question is this, have you encountered people like that? Like, you, you just, you tell them, you, you bear your heart, your soul to them, you plead with them, you cry, you, you, you tell them over and over again, and there is nothing. How do you feel when that happens? Pardon? Rubbish. Any, anybody feel good about that? No, nobody feel good about that. Here's what I've got to tell you. Jesus feels good about that. Because he said, you did, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I told you to do. And I'm excited and pleased. Because you sowed seed. 
because we don't know the condition of people's hearts. He does, we don't. You get it? So that just illustrates what I've been trying to say, that we think we're rubbish and we feel rubbish about it. And Jesus says, you're a success because you're doing what I said. And that's a big mind shift because suddenly we're free to have a go again without thinking it's us. Because it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit's job to work on the heart, not mine. And my job, so seed. And I will no longer allow myself to get discouraged, disillusioned, or think that I am rubbish at it because I encounter some hard ground. Because I guarantee you, if you want to reach people, touch people, bless people, the first few people that the, that the enemy is going to put in your path are the hard bits of ground. Because he's going to want you to think that you're no good at this. And Jesus says, just so seed. Okay, let's go on to the second one. You're feeling trained. So, second soil. It's what? It's shallow. And what happens? Basically, you've got a person who initially responds. We're excited. Yeah? They, they, you encounter them. You see them every week. There may even be somebody that this, this would apply to this week. But they, they come along to church or they, they, you meet them. You share the gospel with them. They're excited. They, they go, yeah, I'm really interested in that. They come along two or three times and you never see them again. And you think, where did they go? Oh, you're out and, and, and you share the gospel with them and they make a commitment, they pray the prayer and you never, and you say, I'll see you in church on Sunday, and you never ever see them again. Okay, that's, that's shallow soil. And what's happened is life germinated and began to grow. But there's no real depth to the choice they made. And that might be because our seed that we sowed was defective and a bit, deficient in the, the, the DNA of the gospel. You'll have to think about that. So what happens to this sort of person? Well, when the troubles of an ordinary life or persecution comes, they respond not with faith, but with fear. You see, the choice they made was not to give their life to Christ. The choice they made was for Christ to give them a better life. And when they made that choice for Christ to give them a better life, they didn't expect it not always to then be perfect. So Jesus to them was, he's going to solve all my problems and I'm going to have a better life and no troubles and everything's going to be amazing. And that often sounds to me like a lot of the gospel presentations we give. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I want you just to respond from your heart. I'm going to tell you right now that if this morning you make a deeper commitment to Christ, then he's going to sort your finances out. He's going to make your life better. He's going to sort all your relationships and you'll never have any trouble and everything's going to go great in your career. Would you like to sign up for that? Joyce wants suffering. Everybody else. Would, <laughs> would you like to sign up for that? Would you go, yes, I want some of that. Well, say this prayer with me. So I'm, how many of you know people like that or have encountered that happening? Okay, here's, here's the third soil. The third soil is what? What happens? 
you get, you, you sow the seed, it lands in the soil, and it does great. It looks really, really pretty, really good. You know, you've, you've planted your, your summer borders and your, your, your summer baskets, you know, and you've got all your, your bits hanging down that, that you get hanging. I don't know the name of any of these things, but the pity pig things and the pity purple things that kind of hang out of baskets and make our door look lovely and all that sort of thing. So you do all that and you cut your lawn and, you, and you, all your leaves are green and it's fantastic. That's, that's kind of what happens. And we go, this, this is what it's all about. Yes, yes, I, I led that person to Christ. I did this and look what it's produced. And then slowly, the excitement goes out of the person. Slowly, they get busy. Slowly, they make choices. And slowly, they get choked by the cares and the pressures of the world. They still like Jesus. They still would like to be part of the Jesus thing. They just haven't got any space for the Jesus thing. And then they become kind of a bit intermittent in their, like, engaging with the rest of the body. And then they become a bit more intermittent. And then you don't see them anymore. That's what Jesus is describing. Now, here's the thing. Of the three... That is the one I find most heartbreaking. For, for me and for Cheryl, and I guess for many of you, we have poured so much time, so much light, so much energy, so much love to find people who don't want Jesus at the end of it. And when you're a pastor, then you can feel like you've failed. Like if only I'd said something a bit different. If only I'd changed what I was saying and then, then people would have stayed maybe. Or, or maybe that wouldn't have happened or, or whatever. But if I say this, it might upset somebody. And you get in all these mind games. And, and when I get in that sort of mind game, I, I, I don't. my natural thing is I just feel really sad. But I also feel hurt. I feel hurt because I'm going like, I don't understand this. I don't understand why, why that happened. When you, you've given so much and, and in the end nothing came back. When it looks so promising. This is the one that guts us, isn't it? You know, Bob and I were talking, kind of looking back o o over the years to see people who, who set off really, really well in ministry and had these fan, you know, fantastic ministries and then they just lost interest. And it, and it wasn't the priority in their life anymore. And it's just really sad. So where are we going with this? Here's our kingdom principles. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my last little bit, paragraph, but you're all right. I'm on time. Here's our kingdom principles. You do not know the condition of a person's heart. I'm going to explain to you why we're doing what we're doing. Particularly in terms of reaching out to other areas, other places, other towns around Cambridge. Because that's the way we try to implement this. This is the way we went. Do not eliminate anyone or anywhere. 
because you don't know. Here's what we do. We find somebody who looks like a good candidate, looks to have all the right credentials, looks like they might be somebody who's interested, and we plow everything into them, only to find out that they never change. Because we aren't the best person to work out where the fruitful ground is. So we have to sow everywhere until we find out what's not bearing any fruit. Yeah? So here's the third point. There, so first one, sow everywhere. Second one, don't eliminate anyone. Third, there will be, say will be, a lot of disappointments. That's kind of hard to take, isn't it? But that's what Jesus is saying. Guys, if you do what I ask you to do, there's going to be disappointments. There's going to be some sadness. But it's all going to be worth it. Because you're doing what I ask you to do. There will be some who show great promise, but never give great fruit. And we're going to have to deal with that as well and cope with that. We are going to have to sow seed by speaking to a lot, giving to a lot, reaching out to a lot, going far and wide in order to find a few. And that's not very resource efficient, nor is it very finance efficient. But it is the way of the kingdom. And that ultimately is why finances can't buy you the kingdom. Because it doesn't make economic sense to spread far and wide to reach a few. And yet Jesus says that's how the kingdom works. So what's the, what's the answer? What, what should we do? What should we do as a church and what should we do as individuals? Because I'm, I'm working on the faith principle that you all want to see the kingdom come on earth. That you've, you've got the vision statement, yeah? So we're going for kingdom come on earth. And I'm going to count everybody in. So what do we do? Here's what we do. We sow far and wide. We don't count anybody out. We don't let our hearts get disappointed when things, when, when that great candidate doesn't work that we expected to bear great fruit. But we do put our time ultimately into the good ground. When you find the good ground, that's where you go. That's where you put your time. That's where you put the energy. And sometimes you will mistake good ground and it'll come out as one, one of the other two. Sometimes it'll look like it's going to be good ground, but it isn't. But ultimately, we need to put our life and energy into discipling those who are good ground. And Jesus says this, if you will do that, you might, out of a hundred people, you might find one or two. But here's the good news. You find one or two and the return is 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the one or two where the return is the 30, 60, 100-fold. 
So right at the moment, we, we, we're working in Bulgaria, we're working in Norwich, we're going to Norwich tonight. They, they're kind of averaging 50 to 60 people already. We're working with Alex and Jenny in Croydon. They're, they're still in their house, but they've got 50 people going in, in a kitchen. We, 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 we've run groups in Letchworth, we've run groups in Royston, we're looking at, at, at moving that now to more training and, and sort of monthly meetings where, where we do that uh, going there. There are other places that I have been where there was nothing, and I thought there would be, but God makes the connection. One day, over Christmas last year, I was sat at home and I had one of those, like, two or three weeks where everywhere I'd gone, absolutely nothing happened. And so I was thumbing through, I was, you know, like, I'd ate too much. So I was thumbing through the, like, um, messages, and I was looking at Facebook, and this church message came up. So I thought, well, I've got nothing else to do, I'll look at it. And it happened to be Nicola, who was going, are you connected to Andrew Womack? And, and just like, that was it, that was the message. I mean, she's not, not one for a lot of words. Are you connected to Andrew Womack? <laughs> Yeah, I've discovered difference since then. But I thought, this is a quiet lady, just one sentence. <laughs> so I went to see them. I wa- that Letchworth was not on my radar. I don't know anything about Letchworth, but God connects. And we put time and energy where we see good soil and good fruit. And then we'll see kingdom results. Amen. Are you enjoying this? Are you getting something out of it? Yeah, okay, so we've got a few more weeks of this to go, but but really we need to start just doing it now. Yeah, and, and not letting ourselves get discouraged, not let the enemy beat us up, and not let the enemy tell us we're rubbish. Amen? And when we do that, we see the vision come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And he gets all the glory. Amen? Let's stand.